I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Today's match is in the books and we're breaking it down. This is your RSL post-match show on the RSL Radio Network. Welcome into the RSL post-match show here on the RSL Radio Network. Jay Catch, Lauren Beck breaking it down. Lumen Field, uh, RSL goes up to Seattle and loses 2-0 to the Seattle Sounders. And Lauren, uh, it felt like in some ways that second half was just a continuation of the first 45. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, got a little bit of spark life with the subs. A couple long-distance shots on target sure. from Miram and Gomez, mm-hmm. but nothing that's threatening. Um, yeah, essentially a carbon copy of the first half. Well, and the other thing about this, and watching this play out, RSL was under it from the very start of this match, it felt like. And you and I kind of talked about this in the pregame, like what Seattle showed last week against Colorado when they ran a rough shot over the Rapids 4-0. It was like, okay. This Arsenal's going to be up against it in a matchup like this. And the this coming into it, you're like, okay, Arsenal's going to have to get simple possession, manufacture offense, find opportunities to strike on the counterattack, all, all that stuff. And honestly, I'm going to have a hard time coming up with really anything that I would have thought would have given them a chance having actually happened because this is just this was completely one sided, it felt like in many respects. Yeah, it. I mean, you can learn from every game, this, sure. but this also feels like a game you write off uh, <laughs> because Seattle's just that good. Well, I, and they're and off I, to a flying start yeah, this season. And yes. I think that they will continue down that path. They they don't look like they will be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, no doubt about that. And the other thing about this is, uh, so Seattle now, to start the season, two matches, they have six goals and have allowed zero. That. Pretty solid start to your season. And Stefan Fry has not had to do much in either game. He's been very comfortable back there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. He's been able to just kind of settle in, and uh, he has clean up shots every now now and again. You mentioned Gomez had a, had pretty decent, a nice long range shot that forced him into a save, and then as well as Justin Miram. But you kind of mentioned that those were really the only two real threatening, and if you want to call them threatening, chances for RSL in this match. Yeah, it and they came late. Uh, I think we had one shot. On goal at halftime. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, it, Savarino's not involved. They're not getting him the ball. It, it feels like when he's on the left in these first two games, that left side of the field, he's a ghost. He's he's just not able to get involved in play. Um, I think Demir needs to get comfortable again with, with his teammates, with mm-hmm. the movements. Um, 
I am so I I try not to harp on players too hard. I'm just really curious, like why why we're playing down the right side so much, and why I, I really okay. This is the nicer way to put that. I want Sava on the right side, and I want Miram on the left side. Let and that's, play, that's play, what I want play, as a start. Kind of because they're. They, I get what you're saying. You want to see them play kind of inverted in a way. With yes. yeah, I see that. And I want someone that's starting to to not be starting. <laughs> well, uh, we'll continue to break this down. We'll let's hear from Pablo Mastroeni as well as RSL players after this one. I also want your guys' reaction. You can uh, tweet at us. The best way to get a hold of us, uh, you can send tweets to Lauren is at Lars underscore mm. Correct. Yes. I'm at Jacob C Hatch, or you can send them to our station feed as well. Uh, uh, KSL Sports Zone on Twitter. Love to have you guys' reaction as we continue on right here on the RSL Postmatch Show on the RSL Radio Network. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the RSL Postmatch Show here on the RSL Radio Network. Lauren Beck, Jay Catch, along for the ride here as RSL falls 2-0. Uh, I guess 2-0 is what I should say, uh, up in Seattle at Lumen Field. Their first loss of the season, uh, dropping the record to 1-1 one and one on the year. And, Lauren, uh, the thing about this, I'm looking at these, just the, the breakdown of this match. And let's see, 591 total passes for Seattle versus just 391 for RSL. Uh, it ended up, uh, possession-wise, if you want to look at just straight possession, RSL actually got Seattle under 60%, 59.4% versus 40.6%. And I'm not going to lie, that sounds almost like uh, too small of a number, it feels like, for Seattle in in my mind. but Yeah, because their possession was more meaningful. Exactly, yeah. They were in RSL's half mm -hmm. for all of that. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. When RSL possessed it, it was really, they were trying to get out of their own half, but they barely were able to do much of anything. And I, I actually really thought that they were so far under it that they were so pinned down in their end that trying to get an outlet anywhere was almost near impossible. Yeah, and and we saw that. We saw the attempted balls out, mm-hmm. um, the attempted dribbles out. Uh, Trying to just get anywhere, yeah. Seattle's just overwhelming, ready to win the ball, anxious to win the ball back almost. It, it was Their response was immediate when they turned the ball over or when RSL um, got a, a throw in or a free kick. It, it, it was They were overwhelming RSL, and there was just no clear-cut way out for them at any point. Yeah, and so some of the reaction rolling in, one here from Equiman says, we can't keep the ball for more than five seconds and lose it every time in the midfield. And our strikers are, I'll just say there's an expletive in there. I uh, says, come on, Ryan. He actually tags Ryan Smith, one of the co-owners of Rail. So like, let's spend some actual money and get a number 10 striker. Well, number 10 is a different thing. It's the number nine is what you're looking for if you yeah. want an out-and-out striker. But I'm not even convinced that an out-and-out striker would have changed much of RSL's fortunes tonight. The midfield was just way too, I, I'll say passive. There was just... There was no spine in the central part of the field for Real Salt Lake. Yeah, um, and I think we've seen that the last few seasons. The midfield has been, I I really, since Kyle Beckerman retired, he's kind of the last piece um, that left the club from a really great midfield for a 
decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's difficult to to find that again. I think Savarino is more than capable. He's just, for me, not being utilized in a good way. Maybe just the pieces around him aren't correct. But I, I think you have a few pieces correct. You're just missing kind of a spark in that midfield, in the mid-midfield as your yeah, central exactly. midfielders yeah. too to really fuel this team. That's the, and that's such an important role on any soccer team is that central midfielder. Well, and the other thing about this is and there are probably some out there thinking that Pablo Ruiz, once he once he joins the team, is, is the answer. Okay, he may be one of the answers, but you have more than just one central midfielder out there. And when you get a stretch in his just, I don't know, just carved open as RSL was in this match, it doesn't fall on any single one player. No. But you need to have more in the midfield to be able to link up the play between the back line and, and your forwards. Because you're right. I think Jefferson Savarino has got the ability to be a really, really fantastic attacking piece. The problem is he's having to drop so far back to get any type of possession in, the, in a match like this that his effectiveness going forward is almost nullified. Yeah, and going back to Pablo Ruiz, I when when Pablo was on, he's so fun to watch. Yeah, but he, for me, he's last season he was still very inconsistent, mm-hmm. and I think part of that was there was a lot of changes happening around him in the midfield a lot. He was pretty regular, um, but they were trying not to play Jasper too much. Scott was the one that was starting the season alongside Correct. him, yep. so it felt like. Last year, it maybe was difficult for him to find that consistency because there were a lot of changes. So I'm curious to see what that might look like when he does get his visa worked out mm-hmm. and he's able to get back with the team if he's starting, who's he starting alongside. I, I Again, I think going back to formation, I, I don't think it hurts to play around with it a little bit because I don't think it's suiting this team. Um, yeah, it's there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of things to work on and, to, and a lot of players you're waiting to bring in and see how they affect the group. Correct. And that's the thing about this. A couple other uh, reactions coming in as we await Pablo Mastroeni addressing the media. Uh, Andrew Lord weighing in here at Lord Andrew 1 says, Seattle is clearly better than RSL. Rosters aren't in the same ballpark. That said, RSLs did themselves no favor. Starting Caldwell was a mistake, and Demir and Julio didn't fit well. If Luna and Gomez are both on the bench next week, Pablo is crazy. They were very good tonight. Okay, uh, and you just it kind of goes to your point here, Lauren. At this point, wouldn't you try mixing up the formation a little bit or try at least, yeah, give Diego Luna some extended time, or in this case, Andres Gomez. You brought him in for a club record transfer fee. Let him go a full 90 and see what he can do. Yeah, and I think that that's the the suspicion for next week. That's kind of the feeling is that you're working up maybe the, not next week home, or in a couple home, weeks. It's yeah. a home opener. Like, yeah. yeah, and you're, you've give, you, he got more time tonight than he did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe... Maybe you, you work over it's that in the next up, yeah. game or in, the net, or in two games. He's uh, he's able to get some a start. I think that would be great because, as you said, you spend the money on him. Yeah. So let's get him the playing time. Um, Diego Luna, yeah, I such a tough one. I, I feel like when he came into the team last year, um, he had a good first appearance, and then the second one where he was starting at, at the 10, was he was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's got to grow into that role, and he has to have the opportunity. I think he would be great number 10 if he can get the opportunities to play in that position and in meaningful minutes. But it, again, it's not really the formation RSL is playing. Um, they're kind of trying to slot Demir into that role when Correct. they are playing in that position. Yeah. And I think Demir, 
should just be up at uh, two strikers. Him, yeah. him alongside someone else. Um, I think that that suits him a bit better than the number ten. Um, and and give Diego that that chance. All right, so we'll uh, we'll keep you updated. We're awaiting our cell head coach Pablo Mascherini as well as player interviews. They should be starting shortly. We'll take another time out. We'll get to more of your reaction. We'll let you hear from the coach as soon as he addresses the media. It's all coming up next, right here on the RSL Radio Network. Welcome back to the RSL Post Match Show. Pablo Mascherini, our Real Salt Lake head coach, addressing the media right now. On the season, they just, they were just sharper. Uh, I think in every phase of play. I, I think for us, it was. Um, at least in the second half, again, uh, being brave with the ball, you know, I, you know, we're, we're not making enough plays with the ball and, and, and it really starts with our build and, and getting guys on the ball and, and being, and, and, and finding ways to, to really mount some pressure. I, I felt like too often we went long. Um, and when we did that, uh, you know, we won very few second balls in, in, in the first half. I, I thought in the second half, uh, we did a much better job of, of playing through the lines of, of when we did go long, winning second balls, establishing territory. Um, but you know, the guys fought, fought for 90 minutes and that's, and that's a, and that's a positive. It's, it's easy to let that game get away. Um, but, uh, I thought the effort was fantastic. And, and again, there's, there's a lot that we need to work on. Um, but, but the mindset was, was, was good tonight. And then lastly, for me, um, you brought on Andreas Gomez um, fairly early in the second half, um, and he, you know, provided a bit of a spark here and there. Uh, what, what what have you seen from him, I, I guess, and what, what made you want to put him on there ar- around the uh, 60th minute, I believe it was? Yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, I think um, in, the, in, in the wide areas, in particular higher up the field, I just felt like we needed more of a, you know, a, a player that can engage one v one and get to the end line and or you know have a you know create an opportunity for himself and I think he did a good job of that on a couple of plays. Um, again, Andres is, is is a player that's you know acclimatizing to the country, to the league, to his teammates. Um, it's gonna it's gonna take a bit of time um, to for him to fully uh, integrate. Uh, but but again, uh, the things I've seen in training um, and again there's been there was a, a couple flashes tonight. Um, of his quality and, and a player that I think that uh, we're going to lean on heavily as, as we move through the season. Ethan, go ahead. Hey, Pablo, thank you for your time tonight. Um, obviously, Demir Krylock, we, we saw him play a full 90 minutes uh, last week, and then this game comes off a little early. Is that something that was just kind of health-wise precautionary, or was that kind of playing into the strategy of the game for this one? No, again, Dami, after being out for a year, um, you know, we played 90 plus minutes last week on turf. Um, this game's on turf and uh, just making sure that uh, we're managing his minutes in a way that is conducive for him to be able to go, you know, 100 percent next weekend. And so just finding moments and, uh, you know, and planning out with our, you know, strength and conditioning staff to, to make sure we bring Dami along in a way that we don't uh, – set him back and more importantly that he can get his legs under him as as this season is really really long so um it was it was just more precautionary more thinking uh the long term but uh you know i thought Dami was impactful on the game tonight um and 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 you know just had a lot of great hold-up play moments um led the press well so um it was just precautionary obviously we have a, a pretty small sample size but um 
it's it, obviously goal, goals are pretty tough to come by tonight. Um, have you found, do you feel like the team has found a way to replace the productivity of, uh, of Sergio Cordova and even Bobby Wood up top? And um, do you feel like Anderson Julio will be playing a majority of the season kind of up top or maybe a, a wing position? No, I think Anderson's best position is up front. You know, I think he does provide um, our, an ability for us to stretch the game. Um, and again, I think when, when the balls coming into him are, are, are uh, you know, aren't the most cultured balls, it's very difficult for him to to exploit the space behind. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think we have, you know, we have Rubio, we have Danny, we have Anderson, we have guys that have scored goals in this league. Um, and uh, we just, again, I, I think it's, I, I think it wouldn't be fair to to pinpoint those guys as far as not scoring goals. It takes a team to score goals. It starts with, with our build in the back. And, and really being cohesive in the way we want to progress through the, the, the lines. And I think that uh, we have to be better as a collective to put these guys in positions uh, to score goals. Hey, Pablo. Uh, it's clear there was some room for improvement tonight from the team, but we did get to see some more of the younger players uh, be able to join in in the second half. Players like Diego Luna, what did you like from what you saw of him tonight? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, one of Diego's best qualities is his ability to play forward. Um, you know, and that's one thing I think in the last two games with our, with our, you know, with our, with our midfield is, is finding a forward pass to break lines centrally. And I think Diego, uh, had a, a few good passes that, that actually sprung some good attacks. And so I think his ability to get on the ball, um, and again, the game was hectic. The, the, the you know, the game's going 100 miles an hour. Um, but but I I think he found some really good moments uh, to put his foot on the ball a little bit and and and, and bring the group forward. So um, you know I think he did a good job. Thanks, Pablo. Joseph, go ahead. Uh, buenas noches, Pablo. Uh, bueno, como ya se ha dicho, hoy no salió el resultado que queríamos. Pero qué fue la lección más grande que vas a llevar de este partido? Pues. Eh, I, I, mira, estamos en el segundo partido. Hay, tenemos que trabajar en muchas cosas. Eh, yo creo que este equipo Seattle está en forma de, de, de medio, medio camp, campeonato. Fueron a Europa y jugaron varios partidos. Están en, est, est, y también jugar este, contra este equipo en, eh, eh, de visitante es, es muy difícil. Pero yo creo que eh, la, las ganas de seguir peleando cuando estás perdiendo un partido y seguir para adelante y crear oportunidades para mí son, son lo más importante la mentalidad es una cosa que eh, se arma eh, a, en, en estos momentos y ojalá nos sigue por todo el año y, y para mí lo, lo más difícil de ese partido fue crear chances al gol uh, los dos tiros al arco, al arco que tuvimos fueron de distancia uh, y no fueron tapadas muy difíciles para el arquero de Seattle ¿Qué están haciendo para mejorar en eso y uh, listar los jugadores para el próximo partido para que sean más creativos y más eficaces en el ataque? Sí, mira, yo creo que, como, como dije antes en, en, en inglés, yo creo que las la, oportunidades se crean de, con los centrales. Porque si, si salimos jugando con confianza, todo el, todo el, todo el plantel se enchufa. Y los movimientos son más dinámicos. Yo creo que cuando empezás a tirar pelotazo para adelante y no podés ganar la segunda, ahora eh, la, la, 
yo creo que eh, la confianza se va del equipo. Así, necesitamos trabajar, seguir trabajando en crear oportunidades desde jugar de atrás. Y en la pretemporada lo hicimos bastante bien. Y claro, dos partidos de visitante no, no es tan fácil, eh, especialmente jugar en, en una cancha de, con, con pasto artificial. Eh, es muy difícil. Pero eh, eh, yo creo que es más tema humano que tema fútbol. Y hay que tener confianza y, 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 y jugar en espacios reducidos cuando hay mucha presión y a veces es difícil cuando, como, como encontramos hoy. Y, y otra pregunta para mí. Uh, no, no sé cuándo sabían de que no, no iba a poder jugar Jasper este fin de semana. Pero con esa suspensión, uh, ¿fue algo que uh, tenían que hacer algunas otras preparaciones que tal vez no estaban completamente listos para hacerlo? ¿O fue algo que ya tenían previsto desde hace tiempo suficiente para prepara preparar para eso? No, no, no dijeron el jueves. Así es una cosa también que te, tenemos que eh, cambiar eh, unas cosas en el medio campo porque el, el, el Scott es otro tipo de jugador que el, que el Jasper y yo creo que hoy día nos faltaba el, un jugador como Jasper para ganar segunda pelota para, para, para empujar el equipo para atrás y tuvimos dos días para, para preparar pero por eso tenemos la pretemporada así todos saben lo, lo que queremos hacer y y hoy día no nos tocó suerte en ese tema. Gracias, Pablo. And then last question, Pablo, can you just talk about what it means to uh, go home and finally uh, be home next week, but taking three points in two road games to start the season? Yeah, I, again, I think there's there's um, there's always going to be challenges. Um, you know, obviously not having Pablo available. Uh, you know, Jasper being suspended. It's a, it's a long season of you know obstacles that you have to overcome and and on top of that you you go to two teams um away from home and they play on turf um not always the easiest of circumstances but 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 i think uh securing the three points in the first week was was really important obviously we wanted to do the same tonight and, and we fell a little bit short but i think you know the the feeling of coming home and, and the guys sleeping in their own beds and playing in front of a a packed house at, you know, at AFF, I, I, I think is a, is a welcome, um, is, it will be a, a welcome experience for us. And, and, and that's after being on the road in, in Tucson for, for about two weeks as well. So it'll be good to prepare this week and, and really dial in on some of the areas that, uh, we, we obviously need to continue to get better at. Um, but, uh, I, I think we learned a lot about what it takes to win on the road and it takes a lot. Um, and, and, uh, These are experiences that uh, you know we, we, we you know we we have to to to, to understand that uh, it's a process and and whilst we want you know ten out of ten performances every every game it's not always going to happen but but how do we not have a ten out of ten performance and still come away with something on the road and those are things that we'll talk about this week in preparation for the Austin game at home. Thanks, Pablo. All right, everybody, we'll see you uh, Monday in Harriman. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, Pablo Mastroeni speaking to the media afterwards. And he did make a very good point there, Lauren. You open your season with two matches on the road. We all know that uh, a one-point-a-match average in Major League Soccer across an entire season essentially means you'll be 
top half of your of your division. And RSL's got three points. They had the three points last week against Vancouver. So I guess in a positive way, they're actually ahead of the curve a little bit here, two two matches into the season. Yeah. Um, as we talked about last week, mm-hmm. playing on the road is so difficult in Major League yes. Soccer. You look at the distance that other leagues have to travel um, for away games versus what Major League Soccer has to do, and it's insane. Um, and then to play those two games on turf, uh, which is so hard on your body, um, much more likely to be injured on. And, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, RSL has the turf on the indoor fields, um, and they use it when they need to. But it, it those first two opening games, both being away, both being on turf, really, really difficult. Coming home against an Austin team next week that – we beat at home last year, Correct. but yeah. um, the two away games, the playoffs included, were not pretty. Um, Hashtag Verde. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a 2 1 win, a home win against them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, as I said, there's stuff to learn from, but I think for the most part, you just move on from this game. As Pablo said, this is a Seattle team that looks like they're in midseason form. They are playing really well for it being the first and second week of the season. They, they look great. Um, and and RSL still got to find that. And, and I think that they will get there because they have that heart and that fight. But it's not going to click as easily as it might with a team like Seattle. Waiting word is here. If we're going to hear from RSL players, not 100% certain on that quite yet because uh, the way uh, you heard Trey Fitzgerald's voice right at the end there said, we'll see you on Monday in, in Harriman. I'm like, yeah, y'all are done for tonight? So we're going to chance it. We're going to hit a break here. We'll come back. Uh, if players speak, we'll get those to you as we continue on. We'll also take a look around the league, uh, uh, match day two around Major League Soccer. We'll, we'll run down how that went. We'll also take a look ahead uh, to that home matchup, the home debut for Real Salt Lake against Austin as well. More to come right here on the RSL Postmatch Show right here on the RSL Radio Network. Welcome back to the RSL Postmatch Show here on the RSL Radio Network. Lauren Beck, Jake Hatch, breaking things down as RSL falls 2-0 to the Seattle Sounders up at Lumen Field. And uh, Lauren, got some more reaction coming in here on social media. We're going to look around the league here in just a moment, but I want to get some more of this reaction in here. So uh, let's get to uh, reaction here from Sean Moran. says, Seattle had us chasing the game. Their spacing, movement off the ball, and one-touch passing was a clinic. And all i got to say to that really is amen. Oh, absolutely. It's it's exactly what you'd expect from Seattle. They um they don't make a lot of changes to their team it feels like. And mm-hmm. and when they do they're very meaningful changes. Well they 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 know what their style is, they yes. know what type they're looking for and when they find those guys, they go and get them. Yes. And and it seems to work anytime they bring a player in. It's it's a great found like a club. They they yeah. it's just run so well. Yeah. Um and they've they've really found their style and a way to bring players in that fit it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's absolutely fair. They and they do that at home so well, where they just make you chase the game. You can go in and try to bring the game to them as much as you want, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's most likely going to be Seattle doing exactly that to you. Well, they they know who they are. Yes. The thing about this, in the, in a way. Any RSL fan who's been around for quite a while remembers back kind of the heyday of what Jason Christ was doing. RSL is kind of what Seattle is. They, they, RSL knew what they were doing. They had an identity, and they found the players that fit into that ethos and everything. And the, the, the style, you knew what it was coming at you. The problem was you couldn't stop it. Yeah. 
Exactly. So. All right. Uh, one other reaction here, and then we'll look around the league, uh, coming in from Rich Nazaro. Uh, is, he says, midfield. Our midfield instructions were very different last year. This year, lots of overlap, lots of floating or buzzing around. It's clear uh, that we, speaking of RSL, want to overload and push the other team to one side. Perhaps Seattle is too good there. Perhaps the instruction is wrong. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It There was a lot of play on just one side of the field from from RSL and kind of pushing that way. Um, a lot of, yeah, flat-footedness from, from the midfield and from a couple of the defenders. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at the goals RSL's conceded so far yes. this season, and it's it's players not being ready to go to the ball. Correct. They've allowed guys to get goal side on them. Yeah. They've been, that's the, the the attacking players are on the front foot, whereas RSL has been on the back foot. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. All right, so we'll continue to break this down, but let's take a look around how uh, Match Day Two around uh, Major League Soccer went. Lauren, will you do us the honors and run things down for us? Yeah, quite a few draws this week. I feel like last week there, uh, the, in Week One, there weren't too many, um, but as you look at at uh, Week Two, we've we've got quite a few. So LAFC uh, kicked us off today with mm-hmm. a three-two win against Portland. Pretty and wild match, but it the way. was. Yeah, as we said in pregame, LAFC was up three to zero. That was when I turned it on, and I was shocked with how LAFC was playing. That they were winning three to zero. They <laughs> looked very lackadaisical, um, very sloppy. Portland got two back, but weren't able to uh, to get a point. Atlanta, Atlanta, wow, and Toronto played to a 1-1 draw. Columbus bouncing back after their drubbing last week mm-hmm. with a 2-0 home win against D.C. United. Miami uh, beat Philadelphia 2-0. New England with a 3-0 win against Houston. New York and Nashville played to a 0-0 draw as well as Orlando and Cincinnati. Austin got a 1-0 home win against Montreal. Chicago and New York uh Sorry, NYCFC, I should be more specific, mm-hmm. uh, played to a 1-1 draw. Dallas beat LA Galaxy at home 3-1. Charlotte also got a 3-1 win. Or, sorry, St. Louis got a 3-1 beat win against yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Um, Colorado and Kansas City played to a 0-0 draw. Sa- San Jose came back against Vancouver. Vancouver and, for the second straight yeah, week. Yeah, 2-1 loss for Vancouver after mm-hmm. going up 1-0. That's a bummer for them. Uh, Seattle 2-0 against Real Salt Lake. Looking at next week. Now, let me mention oh, yeah, one thing ahead. real quick. Uh, so New England, Bobby Wood, former RSL yeah. forward, actually capped the scoring for New England today. Yes. So good to see him get on the score sheet early on for for, New, for the New England Revolution. That's the only thing I was going to interject. Yeah, no, I, and it, Bobby Wood was such a tough situation for RSL because when he was playing, he was good, but the injuries for him, just so difficult to like keep a player that is getting injured so consistently. The best ability on. is availability. Yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, Looking at next week, mm-hmm. we ha- we kick off league play on Saturday. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we have CONCACAF Champions League. And we start that on Tuesday at 4 p.m., Austin on the road in Haiti against right. Violette. I think that's how you say it. I'm okay. not positive. Um, so that is kind of interesting because that is Real Salt Lake's next opponent Correct. next Saturday. Um, that's a lot of distance to travel for Austin. I think... In my opinion, you put your effort and focus on that game. You're not worried about the the weekend league game as much as you're worried about that CONCACAF, CONCACAF Champions League game. Well, that's the thing about this. The league has tried to make sure that these clubs that are in this competition, which it, 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 it's a it's one of the more prestigious competitions. Uh, 
it's pretty prestigious. And yeah. all these clubs, the league has made it very clear. Put your emphasis on winning this competition. Don't like and you're right. Focusing on match day three of a thirty four match season pales in comparison to this. And it's a road game for exactly. match three. Yeah. So it's I I wouldn't be surprised if we see Austin throw all their eggs into the CONCACAF Champions League basket this week on Tuesday. Uh, so one to tune in for on Tuesday yeah. at uh, 4 p.m. There's a quick turnaround for them, by the way. Yes, too. Saturday they, to Tuesday. They've got a, they might be flying tonight, tomorrow to yeah. get to Haiti. But in some ways, actually, they'll have some extra time on the back end to get ready for us. But you're right. All that travel, having to go to Haiti, in theory, go back to Austin, then come up to Salt Lake City, to Sandy, is that's man, that's a lot of flights and a lot of miles traveled. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's CONCACAF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, some, some of those other matches, uh, Champions Leagues-wise, I know they're not necessarily RSL direct, but who else is in the, this, this competition? Uh, Philadelphia is also playing on Tuesday at 6 against Alianza. Um, Tigres and Orlando at 8 p.m. All three of those games are away games for the MLS teams. On Wednesday, um, the only Van- the only MLS team is Vancouver. They have a home game against Real Espana. Um, there's no accents on that, so I'm that, Espana, yeah. that is yeah, Espana, weird yeah. to me. Yeah, it is um, at eight o'clock on Wednesday, and then on mm-hmm. Thursday, the only MLS team to play will be LAFC. And I do not know how to pronounce this name. Ala Huelens. I want to say, actually, I think RSL actually played this squad way back when in a Champions League match, but Alajuense or something, yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not positive, but that's a, an 8, 8 p.m. kick on Thursday for LAFC. So if you want to tune in and watch some MLS teams playing CONCACAF, um, for, for me, the priority, if you can watch the 4 p.m. kick for Austin, because that is RSL's next opponent. Get a look um, at them, yeah. Yeah, it could be. And, and to see what they're going to do. Um, and then you come into next Saturday... Obviously, you have RSL and Austin kicking off at 7.30 at America First Field. Um, Another decent matchup, probably. Kansas City hosting LA Galaxy at 6.30. Philadelphia, Chicago might might end up being a fun one, as well as NYCFC in Miami. Um, Yeah, it should be a a fun week. Lots of soccer to watch. Should be plenty, yeah, there's no doubt about that. All right, we will take a, a... Quick look ahead at what Austin is bringing to America First Field next Saturday in the home opener for Real Salt Lake in terms of lineups, that type of stuff. We'll get to more of that as we round out this RSL post-match show coming up next right here on the RSL Radio Network. Welcome back to the RSL post-match show here on the RSL Radio Network. Real Salt Lake falls 2-0 up in Seattle, coming home to take on Austin. I got one more reaction here on social media, Lauren, and then we'll take a quick look at Austin. Our good friend Jeff Carroll, actually a former producer here on the KSL Sports Zone, where we have our home actually weighed in on this. I know he's a big RSL guy. Uh, he actually has a three-part breakdown here, Lawrence. Are you ready right, for this? I am. Part one, as painful as it is to say, Seattle were excellent. Quick one and two touch passing, great in tight spaces, intelligent in their movement, and they all operated as one both on offense and defense since it's near impossible to be a team playing that well together. Not bad, huh? Yeah. Okay. Part two. (laughs) 
Next one. Also, Seattle were so close to scoring two goal of the year candidates around the 73rd and 76th minutes with absolute absurd passing. As for RSL, not their best positives. His McMath controlled his area well and made some nice saves. Gomez and Luma, uh, Luna, excuse me, not Luma, uh, offered some great energy off the bench and he finishes up saying negatives. Gave away possession way too often. Dami and Sava need more of the ball, need to be better on the second balls. Both of Seattle's goals came on recycled plays and RSL's players weren't able to keep their marks. Can't switch off even for a second. Let's get it next. Next week, boys. Yep. Yeah, I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching a video of the build up to Seattle's first goal. It's a very long video. It's about a minute of them passing, and it's all just. It's ridiculous. Well, it, they were they were very much on point with yes, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and to going back to what Pablo said, this is a team that looks mid season form, and mm-hmm. and my goodness, but it's. It's the Seattle we're used to. It's the Seattle I expected coming into this game. Yep. And yeah, and our, watching Jordan Morris on this replay, just standing right between between two RSL players and, and winning that header. I mean, Justin Glad is is tall and yeah. he's and he can jump. Um, it, it's it's pretty interesting to me that he uh, was beat to that. And as he said, it's it's recycled balls. It's not clearing your area. And those are those are basic things. Much like last year, when the when the problem was that the midfielders weren't following their marks into mm-hmm. the box. Correct. Again, it's a basic basic soccer thing that you learn very young. Um, it just feels like you, you got to get back to those basics, master those, and then and then move forward. All right, so before we call it a night, let's take a quick look ahead. Of course, the RSL will be hosting Austin uh, at America First Field next Saturday. Home opener should be, a, I'm expecting, a close to sellout, if not a sellout crowd uh, out there at AFF. Looking forward to this one. Austin has been one of the more exciting teams since making their debut here in the league. They've got a nice attacking uh, core, but with that uh, Champions League match midweek for them, it is a big question mark, as you mentioned, Lauren, about how Full, how, how, how if they'll rotate their squad as much as we expect them to, etc. But what should we expect next week with Austin coming in? Well, it uh, potentially it could be rainy and snowy next Saturday, so well, as is bundle been, up as has been <laughs> our, our custom so far yes. this winter. Yeah, um, I I do feel that I mean home games generally favor the home team, obviously. Yeah, but when it's uh, weather inclement as well, I feel like RSL usually does very well in those as well. Um, I love a good snow game at Rio Tinto. I don't. I, I'm not hoping for it, um, but they are usually quite fun, especially against a team like Austin that's not going to be used to that kind of weather. They're coming from South Texas, where it's a little. <laughs> let's put it this way: it's been like 70 degrees down there for them, so they're they're going to yeah. be in for a little bit of a shock. Yeah, my uh, my older brother lives in the Dallas area. Okay. When we were having that big snowstorm last week, he kept <laughs> telling us how it was 80 degrees, um, and we we just kept saying no one asked. <laughs> Nobody asked you, sir. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tyson. <laughs> Love you. Um, so yeah, this is a this is an Austin team again that is really good. You've got Drusy Gallagher and Rudy all sitting on a goal after the first two games, um, which you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, I'm just so curious what they're going to do on Tuesday and how that impacts what they do on Saturday. You've got to think that they're going to go heavy and and go for it on Tuesday in Concacaf Champions League. But is it enough for recovery time this early in the season? to play your starters in Haiti and then play them against Real Salt Lake on Saturday. It's a lot of travel. Um, You're going from essentially sea level to 
altitude to elevation here in uh, in Salt Lake. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting, tough week for Austin. That being said, this is still a very good team. Um, they they were uh, definitely upset after that uh, two three loss against St. Louis opening weekend, especially in the way that it happened. Sure. Um, they came back this week. He got the home win against Montreal. It's it's just a, a, until that Tuesday. I would say if they weren't playing Tuesday, it's going to for sure be a tough You'd game. Expect, they'll have yeah, their starters, yeah. but I, with that Tuesday variable, it's difficult to know what Austin what they'll do. But I think it's early enough in the season that they can push it with these players. And, and they ground out a win. It was their home opener today. Yeah. They ground out a one nil win over Montreal, uh, coming down there to Austin. You're, you mentioned the travel because it's going to be interesting because they're they're going to go from Austin to Haiti, which Haiti in Caribbean. It's going to be plenty humid. They come back home to Austin, which is a pretty that dry kind of southwestern Texas air, and then they got to come up to elevation where, you, as mentioned, could be wet, snowy, cold uh, with, at 4,500 feet here. They're going to be playing in a bunch of different climates here in the next few days. And, yeah, and and the elevation. Yeah. I mean, it's already hard for teams to come to sure. Salt Lake, and then you add that bonus of them being in Haiti with the travel. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It could make for quite a fun game for Real Salt Lake on uh on Saturday, I'm really excited to get back to America First Field. Sure. It's uh, the atmosphere over the last couple se- or the last season, I should mm-hmm. say, really has grown. Ownership is really focused on upgrading the stadium and and making it a better experience. So, if you haven't grabbed tickets, be sure to grab some. Um, grab some tickets for some other games as well. There's firework games as always. Um, it's it's always a good family night, even when it's cold and rainy or snowy. Um, I feel like those are, those are the most fun games a lot of the time. There's a lot of high entertainment value with yes, this. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, yeah, 7.30, a first kick on that. It means a 6.30 pregame here on the RSL Radio Network. We'll have you covered in that. Uh, David James, obviously, Jane Nolly will be on the call for it. Looking forward to that. So we'll be back with you guys next Saturday night, uh, breaking it down as RSL gets ready to host Austin FC. For Lauren and uh, Christian, our producer tonight, I'm Jake. Have a great night. Thank you for tuning in. RSL loses 2-0 in Seattle. This has been your RSL Postmatch show right here on the RSL Radio Network. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.